0: Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dot Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs.
1: Prepare to be underwhelmed.
0: And away we go. Yeah, so what exactly are you uh, picking up then? Because that's, that's some so, pretty cool uh, cool nostalgia to, to go through.
1: Um. So I'm getting a Neo Geo. So tentatively, I'm getting a Neo Geo 4 slot cabinet
0: meaning that it has the four slot being you can run like up to four games on it or like four Uh other other boards on it or i mean is it something now where you would have to go get the old school neo geo boards or is it something where you can run like mame or something in there
1: so the cabinet's actually big enough so basically what made neo the neo geo hardware so revolutionary is for the time uh all the games weren't dedicated arcade boards; they were cartridges. Okay. So it's basically a four-slot board that lets you play, put in four different cartridges, run four different games on a machine. Okay. Um, there's something similar to that now. Um, well, that came after, soon after that, called uh, Jammo. From an arcade um, perspective, ever. Yeah. So it's called. Um... Yeah, and it's like Sega's like fucking arcade hardware or something they put out, but it's basically sort of the same idea idea of not having to basically re reboard uh, a game. You just swap out like a giant game pack. Basically, is the equivalent. The the PCB board ends up being like a giant game pack. Yep, makes sense. So I mean, so tentatively, I'm in the process of getting that. Um, You know, I'm hoping to get it this Sunday. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so with oh that are you God. getting any games with it from wherever you're getting it or is that stuff you maybe already have yeah. or other channels for that
1: um so i've got it comes with three games um samurai showdown samurai showdown 2 and king of the monsters oh awesome um but i'm gonna basically be it's really it's like 80 percent functional so it looks like the monitor looks really good, and I got to figure out how to turn the sound on. Um, apparently, you can actually mute that on the board. Oh, interesting. Um, this... So, yeah, it's like it has like a volume slider for the the sound on the actual board itself. Um, from my understanding, if not, I, I'm probably gonna have to send the board off to get fixed anyway. But you know, um, once I can actually get it to the house, I. Once I can actually get into the house, you know, regardless of not at most for me to cost to swap out the board, the, the four slot part would only cost like 170 bucks anyway. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, that's still like a kind of a chunk of money for somebody who's broke. But, you know, that's nice to have. It's either cost this much to fix or here's the cap. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is actually really nice to have in that thing, provided this guy doesn't go and sell it on me. Um, we had a gentleman's agreement that I'd pick it up in the next couple of weeks. And basically when I do, that's when I'm going to pay him. So. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Because so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm
1: not going to pay for it, Take it with me. Oh, yeah. that
0: I, I mean, it's kind of uh, unless it's just a little bit of a deposit or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, being able to depending on who you know or what you're using to connect with them, uh, that's probably the, the best way to go about it for something um, yeah. that's, uh, you know. Could be temperamental in nature, and you want to make sure you have it in, in hand before um,
1: anything goes wrong with it. Yeah, but that's that's yeah, awesome. The monitor looks really fucking. Yeah, the monitor. I, like normally, I would. Um, just for the fact, did I did I mention in chat how much I actually paid for it, or I'm going to be paying for it? Uh, I don't believe so. Oh uh, yeah, one seventy five
0: for the entire cabinet too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's insane.
1: Yeah, yeah. Normally, normally I wouldn't be like, normally, like, because I saw it came up on OfferUp. I looked at it. He was asking, like, four. um, said he's flexible on the price. He just wants it gone. And, like, it was going back and forth. And, um, you know, we were, we were talking um a little bit, finally set it up. He's, like, real slow to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I guess he's, like, watching his, he's got a kid, apparently, and I think he works, like, weird shifts. Um, so I, um, was like, yeah, like we were going back and forth. And I asked him, I go, I don't know what it is, but I think I rolled like a nat 20 and charisma or some shit. Yeah. But like, I asked him, I go, I'm like, so you have, have you gotten any offers on it? And he goes, well, I've had one other person kind of interested and they offered 150. And I was like, that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I was. Um, And then I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, that's kind of where I am. He's like, I was thinking closer to two. I go, we'll just split it in the middle, do 175. And he's like, okay. That works perfect. And I'm like, I was like, this is great. You know, I'll get it to the house. Like now the appeal of barcades is completely gone to me, provided (laughs) once I can actually get this here, get it up and um, running, you know, I've just got to replace one stick, uh, replace one joystick, which he's basically including and, um, you know, get the board working Um, It could also that slot could also just be dusty and not cleaned, and Mm -hmm. I could easily just clean that spot. And that and that's all the work that needs to be done to the board.
0: I mean, it'd be amazing Um, if just an alcohol swab or something would be all
1: that would needed to get that back up and running. Yeah, so um, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to getting that to the house. Yeah, it's awesome. Um,
0: Neo Geo is one of the nostalgic systems for me because when I was growing up, um, uh, I want to say at that time it had to be. It was mostly elementary school, some middle school, um, but it was basically when uh, my mm-hmm. parents were divorced and I'd spend the weekend with my dad. Um, we'd go and get pizza on Friday night, and it was one of the the well-known like independent pizza places in, in the town where um, I went to school. Um, but they had the original Star Wars uh, arcade pinball machine, um, and then they had a Neo Geo system that generally had Samurai Shodown um, and... Uh, King of Fighters slash Fatal Fury. Um, some of those uh, popped in and out. Um, but that's basically all I, all I would do is, like, we'd go and get, like, go and get pizza, and then <clears throat> we'd order pizza, and then I would just sit there and play, uh, you know, Samurai Showdown the entire time I was waiting for pizza. So even now, like, as you're talking about Neo Geo and Samurai Showdown, like, I can smell the pizza from the pizza place that... Uh, um, we, we would be at like every <laughs> every weekend I was there um, and so I mean unfortunately that place had a you know catastrophic fire a couple years back uh, but they reopened uh, in a different space or just a bigger space um, but yeah it was, it was a shame like if that was one place I could get just like the physical cabinet and like have just like that level of object permanence attached to, to that cabinet itself that would have been like the, the end all be all with you know 15-20 years of uh, well actually hell even more than 20-25 years of uh, you know of pizza essence uh burned into (laughs) all of that stuff and then and be able to play with that one and if i had space for it that would have been awesome so um i mean all those games are like they usually had two of the same games and rotated the third and fourth slots um Mm -hmm. and so i there were a couple variations there but i mean most of the the neo geo fighting games were the ones that i would i would play and be horrible at but i would still you know love going and and playing every week so uh, that's kind of the ultimate nostalgia system for me
1: yeah once i get um once I so I actually was thinking about this it, like I actually really like the idea of the Neo Geo, uh, because it's so easy to swap the boards and you actually don't have to worry about re-kitting the entire mm-hmm. machine, um, which is nice. Um, so uh, my one of my first priorities is there's a few games I want to get: um, Street Hoops, okay, um, N- Neo Turf Masters, and one of one of the many Metal Slugs. Um and Neo Driftmasters, those are the those are the games I'm looking at right now. Most of those are about fifty, anywhere from thirty to sixty bucks on eBay right now. Except Neo uh, Neo Driftmasters is like a hundred and twenty. Um, and then you know just figured swapping it out and 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 having fun with that because I'd I'd get more use out of that than almost anything else I think I've ever you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, just a just a weird thing to end up getting in your hands on in the first place. I was not expecting it. There's not a lot of demand for them, so, um, you know, I was, you know, kind of shocked that I was in the position to even get one. To be honest, I mean, fuck, it's a it's a volcanic island. I mean, that's a yeah. fine trade for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, similarly as far as like all the games and being able to play those and how far they would go. I mean, shortly after I started working in North Carolina, I mean, most of the guys on, on my team were all of similar age and similar interest. Um, and so I had very – like, we had just talking about video games and other stuff like that and uh, wanting to build an arcade cabinet uh, ourselves. Um, and so, I mean, it wasn't too long where I legitimately, like, made my own um, – you know, CAD drawings for a, uh, a cabinet I could build, um, had the box drawn out with all the pieces that I would need to order. Um, and then just wanted to, you know, basically spec out, um, uh, uh, uh desktop system that I could put in there for a MAME, uh, system. So, uh, for our listeners who don't know, uh, MAME is like stands for like multi-arcade machine emulation or something, but basically, uh, it's a platform that just runs on a PC. Uh, but then it has similar to Don having all the cartridges for, uh, the boards, you would have those as ROMs, uh, or, you know, essentially zip files, uh, that you could run and just choose and play with any of those. Um, so it would be like your re, constituting a arcade system that could play any old school system that you had the ROM for on a PC. Um, but you would just be building it and you would have the controls that you would need for, like you said, you're getting the joystick with, with your system. Um, but you know, we, we had all the stuff we would need to build either like a two way or four way, uh, um, keyboard or uh, joystick and, and button set up um, and all that stuff. And so that was uh, – that was I probably still have the files saved in my Dropbox as far as the, the plans and stuff for that. Um, I definitely don't have the space for it now. Um, but that's something that maybe uh, might be a future uh, system for me where eventually that would be something to, you know, keep me inside as opposed to uh, going to the barcades or anything like that. Um, because those were, I mean, tons of games, tons of ROMs, both from um, you know standard arcade systems to the new arcade systems to like NES games and things like that. Where um, that was uh, a pretty pretty awesome setup to be able to to play with all of those in a single cabinet. So um, that would actually get me back into the video gaming aspect of things, as opposed to um, you know more of the console gaming that that is uh, constantly uh, put uh, getting pushed around. Because if I can play. Uh, you know most of those arcade systems uh essentially free play and i got to keep buying it i may as well do it for free as opposed to all the microtransactions in every uh big uh you know triple a title that's out there now
1: yeah i mean there's something about there's something about playing arcade stuff that's fundamentally different than Consoles. just doing console yep. stuff um the idea is always uh the, the idea of a MAME has always been appealing. Um, it's something generally what happens is you usually end up putting together a nice MAME machine. Uh used to be able to put them together relatively inexpensive. Um now those costs are starting to go up for some I'm not sure why. Uh, when I first like when I first started game collecting, you used to be able to put together a MAME, um a MAME cabinet for about like maybe three or four hundred bucks. Okay. Um now it's up to like a thousand um i could also just be that's just rough numbers that i've seen cost wise um i could be pulling those numbers out of my ass too i don't you know Mm -hmm. those they could be right they could be wrong but um you know it's
0: i mean i think everything that i had spec'd out for for pieces and computer parts and all that stuff like i think everything ran to about like 800 um as far as the mm -hmm just the the specific arcade joystick components uh home depotifying mm-hmm. the cabinet with with all the mdf that i would need um and the the like the minimal yet still powerful computer that you would need inside of it to to run it and stuff like that so i mean it, it was definitely something where it's you know it's with what you're getting out of it it's definitely worth like a multiple console investment but um it was just a project i never got around to pull the trigger on which the way things ended up, I'm glad because that would have been uh, a pain in the ass to get rid of. Although I'm sure you
1: probably would have gladly taken it off my hands. Yeah, I probably would have ended up with it, and then I would have gotten the Neo Geo, and then I would have had that conversation where I'm like, "Okay, so it's just two arcade machines. Um, <laughs> you know, one's a made; they're different." Um, no, we have a mutual. We have a we have a mutual friend. Uh, who's actually trying to work, who's been uh, trying to scheme to get a, uh, put together a main cabinet. Nice. Because <clears throat> uh, he's thinking about making a couple, uh, making one for him and then his brother, and um, is trying to get them all fancy where he can have the option to use the joystick or like Bluetooth uh, Xbox controllers okay. or some some, some shit. Like that. I mean, it's like a cool idea, and it's something that's substantially beyond my technical knowledge of alcohol and rubbing alcohol and q tips. Yeah, so just blowing it really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was uh actually broke out the top loader um the other day and was playing a little bit and uh man that is that is nice.
0: Yeah, there were a couple that uh, my, my buddy was talking to me about that I actually I should go back through our conversations and, and see which ones he was recommending because I, I think they may be um, some of the ones similar to, to what you were talking about Um, and just see which ones that he recommended and kind of reconcile that with stuff we've talked about in the past because that's also something that I, I think I'd have a, a little bit more fun with and there's a handful of games I'd want to go back with and play just on that system and have it be portable um, or just kind of in that form factor, but I just haven't gotten around to it
1: yes oh um and if you actually do have nostalgia for the NVS, um they actually sell pseudo home console uh versions of those um and i think they're about 150 bucks um so they're different from the aes because they're actually the converted uh uh they're actually NVS boards so um yeah so i mean that ends up being a little cheaper than actually getting an aes and worrying about fake games with that too so Mm -hmm. um that's that you know just throw it out there you just you know <laughs> there's there's your there's your free tip for today <laughs> <clears throat> so uh were
0: you able to get around to seeing Black Panther or no
1: yes I did see Black Panther actually
0: okay um, yeah so we, we were able to catch it this yeah, weekend he, and so that that was good timing where uh, because I was away for work last week I wanted to catch it in Vegas um, but the one main thing movie theater that is walkable in Vegas closed down, which is kind of good because I think I may have got some sort of STD from when I saw Logan there back in the spring uh, or last spring. Um, (laughs) But uh, I'm... uh, all the other ones I would have had to Uber to or whatever, and I just it was just not worth it. Um, and then so we yeah. we caught it here actually Sunday morning again, super cheap tickets. Um, it was still a pretty packed theater for Sunday morning second week of the release, which I was I was pretty stoked for. Um, and then when we left, like the movie theater was packed at like one o'clock on a sunday with a really nice day outside um and the majority of the show times that day for all movies were, were black panther oriented so i was still happy to see it being very uh very popular uh the second week in a row
1: yeah i'm not i'm not sure how to feel about it um okay um so so first like so fundamentally um I guess we may get a little spoiler spoiler here. Um, yeah, if we're
0: going to talk about it, we have to put a spoiler review here. So, I mean, you know, fast forward about half an hour and then come back.
1: <laughs> um, if if it even goes that long, who knows? Who's to say? <laughs> um, so fundamentally, I guess without going too too spoiler heavy in it, um, it didn't. There felt. So my my big issue that's always been with Black Panther is the fact that I'm I very have a very hard time understanding the motivations of the Wakandan people. Okay. Um for their actions and behaviors in a certain way. Um and it became really really evident in the movie that like You know, um, I think it gets sort of lost in the idea that there's this movie with, you know, with a. There's this movie, you know, where it's. where everyone's overly focused on the diversity aspect of the movie than actually looking at the specific message of the movie.
0: Well, I mean, Um, I think that there's a a decent amount of. You definitely have that both sides, but then it's the kind of getting everyone to see it, seeing the ability to get people that, you know, Mm -hmm. normally don't have that uh, kind of full bloom of representation um, and the just, uh, I mean, the kind of the quality of the movie that got that got produced with the the amount of visual effects with the um you know the costume detail uh the sound editing and a lot of the the audio and, and music and, and stuff right. like that so there there goes to as far as a lot of the uh just the being able to get there for for the movie in and of itself is good um there were pieces that, I mean, I could nitpick. Um, there's really only one, like, plot point that left me questioning something, but the rest all was perfectly fine. Um, but I, I think that there's certain aspects where, like, you may be looking for some more detail. Or you may be looking for some more backstory where... Um, the way that they took it was kind of in the uh, the Play-Doh electric foam style intro um, mm-hmm. where they they kind of fast forwarded through or, or you, you you went through the history of Wakanda on 32X um, and you got there very fast and it's like oh okay they built a society that's very internal um, they had one tribe that kind of walked away and is, is a little outside uh, but then the rest of them knew that they needed to keep all this mm-hmm. stuff hidden internally or else it was going to be you know their downfall blah 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 and then that was that's like okay and now we're at present day um and so there's more that they could probably do and that would be something that would be very interesting in kind of sequels or whatever um but i i think it was kind of they didn't want to focus too much on uh kind of the socioeconomics of uh wakanda in the first 10 minutes because then it's just going to basically be uh like you you can't it's it's not getting starting off with a bang it's more of a snooze fest
1: yeah like my big, my big issue with the um with it was the fact that um the motivation for Wakanda to stay as an isolated like uh to prax- to practice isolation really didn't sell it for me considering you were watching hor- horrific atrocities literally happen all around them like it literally speaks to the we're we're gonna go a little wild here but it literally speaks to the ignorance of privilege and like did not like that sucks like (laughs) like like that just sucks like plain and plain plain and simple like um i mean if killmonger didn't kill people he would have been the hero in that movie well, and, and that's very much like, the plain it, it simple. Like...
0: the and a lot of the stuff that I had seen right away, where it wasn't uh, as far as some of the reviews, and it, they weren't spoilered or anything like that. But it's like they <clears throat> had a villain constructed in such a way that it makes you question who you're rooting for um, and who the actual uh, like who what what defines a villain, and and then so it's not necessarily hero or villain but it's more protagonist and antagonist. Um, And that storyline inside of Marvel has been something that's been around since pretty much the dawn of a lot of the Marvel characters. And so, I mean, so that exact um, proposition is something that is ever-present in the X-Men with the kind of the dichotomy between Charles Xavier and Magneto, um, where, you know, uh, Xavier is uh, assimilation through peace and then... um, Magneto is, you, you know, a superior mutant race that is just by existence uh, deemed to be superior to the human race and is should be yep. a ruling class. So you have those two where they, they generally want the same thing, um, peaceful coexistence, or they not necessarily peaceful, but coexistence of humans and mutants, but they go about it completely differently. That was kind of the same thing here where um, you have them questioning it where it's, you know, T'Challa being a much more measured approach, uh, conservative approach, um, and Killmonger being a much more um, over-the-top, uh, bombastic, and uh, you know, gregarious uh, of, no, we're going to put our foot down and show our might. Now, I, I kind of agree with you there where unless he killed people, you wouldn't really know he was the villain. I think that's probably also why they made his role, which it's it's a little bit different than the original comic character Killmonger. But that's kind of why they made him Killmonger because it's kind of hard to be a good guy when your last name is Killmonger. Um, so you're kind of no matter what happens, like you're still predisposed to kind of have the the underlying like twinge, like okay, yeah, he's supposed to be the bad guy based on his name type thing. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like he's the one that, uh, and I mean, well, spoilers crap now but he's the one that kills claw and brings him back and you know makes him pay for his crimes against wakanda and all of that stuff which is something that um you know t'challa failed to do in in the the mission and stuff like that um and so there's there's definitely stuff there that uh is of a a questioning nature but then it's also like there's probably more that's done and i mean that's the way that i approach star wars there's more that's done than what you know of in the film or what they explicitly call out in the film
1: yeah so my fundamental like so fundamentally like so one of the things that the movie i I don't know if movies can actually jump the shark so to speak but the motivation for killmonger is incredibly clear throughout that entire movie um until you get to like the third act of that movie where he basically just goes absolutely cuckoo bananas everything is basically modified uh is him being motivated and and accomplishing his, goal, his goals, you know, in, in efficiently, you should, you could relatively say, and mm-hmm. um, trying to right the wrongs that were committed by Wakanda. And so, I mean, <laughs> like, you don't like it. It, it the the person like w- one of the things that is like is basically the person who actually wanted change it was like too like he he realistically made complete sense until that third act where they just went fuck it he's got to be the bad guy we've got to end the movie so let's just say he wants to rule the world you know or, or you know they basically that's the equivalent that they did is they gave him basically the end all end all be all generic black guy uh, not black guy, uh bad guy uh you know motivator and like, <coughs> excuse me, um, it did a bit of a, a bit of a disservice there, you know, um, because he is totally right on every single thing he calls them out about and T'Challa practically endangers their people by sticking to tradition even more like t'challa doesn't do makes no decision that makes any sense for the majority of that movie
0: well keep in mind that also t'challa had just gained the throne like within a couple of days when killmonger shows up so it's not that far outside of that like he had multiple years under his belt like he was he was a prince he was a crown prince but he was still the prince and his father like i mean that's set right at the time of Civil War Winter Soldier, so that that's, you know, a couple of years back from um, the real time, but it's uh, very current in, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. So there's not much that that he had to impact, so he really only went on, like, one mission as the Black Panther. Um, But that was, uh, you know, or or, and then kind of being a part of the the governing body. Um, But, yeah, so with that, though, is that... uh, uh, I'll i kind of posit it this way: Is that something where it's a conscious choice by the filmmakers, um, where Killmonger is it, Killmonger versus T'Challa, um, and implicitly like the existing or the the ruling previous rulers T'Chaka and, and so on? Um, is that an allegorical uh, reference to uh, violent opposition, violent civil unrest versus peaceful uh, civil unrest?
1: But this is, like, so, so, like, if it is, if if we're supposed to draw anything out from that, um, the, the, <sighs> T'Challa, like, doesn't do anything, he doesn't see anything inherently wrong with the status quo. So, you know, granted, there were, you know, Wakandans that ended up enslaved and and watching, you know, neighboring, you know, nations just go, none of this doesn't – this doesn't affect us at all because uh, we have a giant space rock. Um, You know, <laughs> you basically have – basically, if you're able to draw anything out of it, it, it basically ends up being – isolation versus in a weird way, twisted form of compassion. Cause for two thirds, for two thirds of that movie through the first and the second act, that's Killmonger's motivation. Um, and like the fact that T'Challa doesn't even, a peaceful form of protest would have just been like acknowledging Killmonger had valid points and going no i'm not going to battle you for my throne like that's totally like he, like and that's like the fundamental issue that like it kind of comes down to is that like we don't see real character growth in tchalla like the the fact that it's relatively he's relatively inexperienced you know that explains him working with the cia instead of taking claw claw back right Totally excusable, totally makes sense. But when someone comes in who you've basically been educated on that is basically a radical terrorist and would possibly harm your country, you're like, yeah, fuck it. You can be king. But But does that not at the same time (laughs) tie his hands because it is
0: ritual? He has the ability to – like so he is – he has the same right to the throne that T'Challa has. So is there is there no different like what ground can he stand on to say no that they can't do that? Like they would basically be up to the the council to then throw him throw Killmonger in prison. So it, you can see how T'Challa's hands are tied to be able to deny that request.
1: I, I I don't know if it was denied. None of him, none of them were willing to entertain that outside of uh, Baron. Uh, is it is it Baron the the one dude I think it was from Get Out. Um, uh, well, the, the guy that brought him there. Yeah, yeah. So that's Wakabi. Yeah, Wakabi. So, um, he was the only dude that was uh willing to entertain that, and I imagine that, like, he already missed his chance. Like the shit already happened. He already missed his chance. Like, you cannot tell me that the most advanced civilization that's apparently content with other people suffering suffering would not allow one person to suffer in the mediocrity of bureaucracy like it makes that's that's what I'm saying it's like there are so many things that don't make sense that like you know I don't know it's for for those of you for those of you uh, at home i'm uh, I'm miming juggling <laughs> juggling things because I don't know I don't know I don't know any other way to explain it. like you know there's no I mean like sec- i mean like I mean, I don't think that's like super tough ruler ruler, you know I think that's in the playbook if a terrorist comes uh, somebody that you've basically classified as a terrorist comes into your country and demands control as a ruler, you fucking say no. But at
0: the same time, he's of the same lineage and he has the same reason to be able to do it with at the same time understanding that uh, T'Challa just now figuring out that or learning of the fact that his father killed his uncle.
1: Yeah, I mean.
0: So as both from a professional leader ruler of the country standpoint and also going through a per- personal, catharsis with looking at his father to be formerly infallible and now understanding what's going on. It ends up being a situation that is a little bit more, um, a little bit more. You, you can see that there's more, uh, than, you know, just one side of, of that decision for T'Challa at that point.
1: Well, yeah, but the thing too, is that he's a ruler and he needs to like, he knows this dude could like do damage to his society and if you're going, if his motivation is supposed to be uh, Wakanda first, build the wall. Um, well, they already had it built. Yeah. They, they had a super massive uh, <laughs> yeah. VR uh,
0: camo wall built. So that, that that's not a problem.
1: <laughs> so it's Wakanda first. We've built the wall, I guess would be better to say. Um, you know, you would have to put Wakanda first. I think he puts himself first in that. And like. That's the that's that's like my my primary issue is that Chichala does nothing in itself. None of his actions in himself are heroic, and he's just like lost within. He's almost like lost within the amount of privilege that he's given. You know, being someone who is of that royal of that royal family, um, like none of his actions are commendable. Well, and that's what I I think he's like, he's conflating the two,
0: and he's putting. He he thinks he's putting Wakanda first by doing that, but, but but what he needs to do is it's going through putting himself first because I think he, he definitely sees the ability where he can't ignore the claim that Killmonger has to the throne um, because then that undermines all of his authority and that undermines his claim to the throne and basically everyone in that room would have to essentially beat the shit out of Killmonger and subdue him somehow before he got out of the room or otherwise there's more damage that he can do. Um, so he he has the mindset that he could beat him in, in ritual combat and that, you know, he should be the true heir to the throne. So, like, he, he will win in outright ritual combat. Um, and so that was his way of solidifying or, you know, making it known that that was what was going to be best for Wakanda was having... A ruler that had you know unquestioned or un or the claim to the throne was
1: unquestioned yeah like it's yeah it's i don't know like it's it's one of those things where it's like i understand it's a complex decision and like he there's a lot of hubris oh I, the, I agree oh. Yeah, I mean I and, I
0: completely agree that's the perfect word for it.
1: And and you know, it's that that hubris that ends up being his downfall in a lot of his situations and his family's, you know, even his family. Um, you know, you see that with with Papa Papa Panther yeah. and um <laughs> Big Papa Panther. You no. Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pumping pumping these these vibranium flowers. So um yeah, like it, it's just like he has like it it's tough when people make i so I've never been I've never been a proponent of the the TV shows or media that sort of uh make it so the main the the lead character isn't necessarily likable mm-hmm um, I've never really been a proponent of that because, uh, you know, especially for, um, you know, like it, because it makes everything feel undeserved. Like we don't go to the movie, we go to the movies for two things. We go to the movies to watch people that we can feel that we can relate to in some way, have good things happen to them. And we leave happy. And then we go to movies to watch people who we can relate to have bad things happen to them. And then when we leave, we're sad until we realize, well, at least I'm not that guy. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, it, it's a difference <laughs> of trying to upsell the antihero as the relatable everyday person that you want to win. But why is he the antihero? Well, because he's an asshole type thing. And so you don't want the
1: good things to happen to the yep. asshole type thing. Yeah. Like it's 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 one of those things and it's like, you know. For, it's so, I don't know. Like, yeah, at least wanted T'Challa to be... So instead, we see T'Challa succumb to hubris multiple times and then get rewarded and then kind of half-asses, you know, tries to half-ass fix the mistakes of the previous right ruler. Mm-hmm. Like none. Like, the thing is, it's like, You get somebody that you're you're iffy about, and then they have good things happen to them, and then they half-ass try to fix stuff? It's like, that's not how you make a likable hero. Like, if you think about... Now, and I will say that Killmonger is arguably the most complex Marvel character that has been written probably to fucking date Mm -hmm. in the cinematic universe. Um... Until that third act of the movie, um where he becomes every other generic villain to give me i I'm going to rule the world. Yeah. Um, but, and I think, and I actually think that it's one of those things where it can, that ends up being a bit of a detriment to the movie. Like, I will say this, like the movie was fine. It was a fine movie. It wasn't, it wasn't awful. It was, you know, uh, the production, you know, it was, it was good to see a Marvel movie with that kind of, um, of structure. And and would that diversity helps in that way? But my big issue is is that you know if we're going to you know, uh, if we're going to praise it for its diversity, we should actually be taking a look at the characters that we're praising it for.
0: No, and I agree, and I think that that is key to a point of what we've been talking about, where it's between T'Challa and Killmonger. Those are the two main leads. those are the figureheads. Mm-hmm. Those are who you see as the the leaders and you know of the patriarchy and all of that stuff as just far as like who was there um but then I think a lot of the other fleshed out characters um give more nuance to that and open up the representation not just in race but also in gender equality as well um because you all you saw um you know, the two of my favorite characters in the film were uh, Okoye. So uh um uh, essentially the head of the Royal Guard. Uh, and then Letitia <clears throat> Wright Shuri, who's T'Challa's younger sister and basically, you know, right. head technologist of Wakanda at that point. Um, and <clears throat> so you see almost different aspects of the individual psyche in all of those people Um, and that bleeds out into other folks like wakabi and even m'baku being things like id super ego and ego where you have you know uh, okoye being loyal to the throne and understanding that killmonger is not what's best for the throne and thus wakanda but then you have wakabi who makes the choice of I need to support who's on the throne regardless. So he's the one that unleashes the war or um, the war. He unleashes like essentially the army uh, that they have on the ground during like the, the third act battle. And then he's the one that that calls in the kick-ass rhinos and all of that stuff. Um, when in the end he can see that like what he was doing was just furthering um, the, the preconceived notion that they just had to fight to fight to fight to kind of keep that going. Um and then with Shuri and and kind of being the the thinker and being able to step back, um, and there's another ambulance right around the corner. Um, but and, and Shuri taking a step back and seeing that there's you know more than just brute force that can solve these problems. That there's other ways to work around it. Um, and granted, that was a way to to bring in a lot of technology and a lot of cool visual effects to to the film and kind of play up the ability or the um, the tech, technological advancements that Wakanda made um, but I think that in in all of those characters and in seeing all of those characters you saw a lot of different things that is meant to be an, an internal struggle because you have hubris in T'Challa you have you know blinded loyalty in Wakabi you have uh, thoughtful loyalty and devotion in Okoye and, and all of those things so like that's what really made it for me was a lot of the characters interacted well they played off each other well and then they it wasn't necessarily just the leads that you were focused on but they had a lot of good interactions and a lot of deeper interactions between the secondary characters that made the decisions of the main characters that much more important
1: Yeah, like, it's, I don't know, it's all, it's, it's all, I, I think it's an interesting start, but I feel like it's one of those things where, and like, you know, it's a movie we're going to look back on, um, and some number of years and be like, geez, like, I can't believe that, you know, the same way that we look back on the eighties now for, for certain movies, hashtag John's Hughes, uh, 16 candles, that movie is fucked. Um, well, and
0: and I Man. think it ends up being the, <laughs> like the first of its kind, um, yeah. and being able to be something where, like I, I mean, looking at something like Iron Man now and kind of seeing what it started, and I mean, obviously a lot of people were saying uh, that there was a lot there, um, but then also if you were to look at. Um, I just had a thought and it escaped my mind. Um, but I mean, looking at Iron Man to now is going to be a little bit different. And I, I mean, a lot of people I've seen conversations of whether or not Black Panther would be Academy Awards and stuff like that. I generally don't think it will. Um, just generally for the Academy, you don't see too many um, big visual effect films getting in the bigger categories getting Academy Awards. I mean, obviously for visual effects and sound editing and all of that stuff, I would imagine... This will be right up there, um, but uh, generally, unless you end up having much more um, morose uh, comic book movies like the Nolan trilogy, they're not going to really see the light of day for Academy recognition, um, so like, I, I don't think we're, we're getting to that point now, and I, I don't think um, just based off of you know, history, um, that Academy Awards or Oscar Awards will end up being, uh, in this film's future. Other award show. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's plenty of other ones that, that this fits right into. Um, But it's, you know, again, the first of its kind as far as with what steps it has taken, um, seeing where it would go. I mean, obviously, with the success it had, it's going to have uh, standalone sequels, um, depending on where Infinity War takes us and and how much of that it blows up the the Marvel Universe. Um, But there's definitely other uh, Black Panther stories that can be told. And then you would hopefully see more of the development of... um, of these characters, because right now uh, you really only saw T'Challa in winter soldier for very quick and like chasing down Bucky after what they thought was the assassination. And then he showed up in civil war to fight on cap side. And then that was it. So you really haven't seen him. This is like, again, all of the, the kind of uh drawing back the curtain and seeing everyone there um so for the characters and the concepts and and everything there like it's kind of the first peek inside um and i i mean i think I agree that time will tell in the larger context of things um but then at the same time you know there's a lot of other movies that were uh that were crap at at the time that have been brought up or have de- developed not even more of a cult following but have seen how important it is um and vice versa just like you mentioned 16 candles so like i don't think this is you know moonlight esque since we we talked about that last time um but it's it's something that you know is uh for for different quality and different nature
1: i think it will end up holding up against the the test of time yeah i could so i'll I'll definitely second that i don't think i don't think any of these i don't think any of them are going to get any acting noms um but um yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where that movie goes and, you know, to see how we view that movie in 10, 20 years from now.
0: And I, I think a lot of that will be uh, subjective to whether or not – or the um, the lifespan of the, the superhero movie genre itself. Um, yeah. So, like, are we at the peak? Are we still, like, in a crescendo? Are we heading downhill? So I think a lot of that's going to play into it as well.
1: yeah. It'll it'll be it'll it'll be interesting to to see to see where it all goes. Um, I'm you know, that's that's what I'm thinking. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I hope honestly, I kind of hope we're fucking done with these superhero movies. So like so you combine. So the issues that Black Panther has really is it's it's a combination of superhero fatigue, which is not Black Panther's fault because it's a fine movie um and you combine that with some you know some points that could be stronger and that and like you really just kind of just you know like it's kind of just like okay well you know what else what else does hollywood have to a- offer us besides superhero movies well i, I think you that's
0: know? a the problem i mean see i don't know what trailers you saw with yours but i mean there was a trailer for um shit there was a trailer for deadpool 2 um there was a trailer for another Marvel movie coming out soon. I forget which one. Um, yeah. And obviously now this is making an excellent point since I can't remember any of the trailers except for Deadpool 2. Um, but there was there were like two <laughs> other ones <clears throat> that are coming out very soon. Then I'm like, holy shit, I had no idea that these movies were coming out this soon. So it ended up being, besides Solo, uh, the Han Solo Star Wars movie, there were like three other uh, superhero movies that were coming out relatively soon that i had no idea were on the schedule for that fast so i'm like yep. if i blink i'm gonna miss these these things so that's what i i definitely think it's um it's a notion of fatigue but also the money's still there and it's still there in mass so they're gonna keep doing it as long as it's still popular
1: yeah <laughs> so there's yeah pivoting
0: <laughs> from there into uh um into what else you had, had tagged into what you wanted to talk about, but um, did you have uh, your your mind saved for some of the rants you wanted to talk about on current events?
1: So yeah, so one of the things I did want to add, uh, to to current events. Uh, the first one is that I can assume I can speak for you for this one as well. Uh, we wish Kevin Smith a speedy recovery. Um, since he did have a heart attack like two days ago. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was
0: pretty shocking news when I saw that come across, uh, a number of my, my social media feeds. And then I, I saw he did a Facebook live event today, which once we get done here, um, and I uh, get myself some water so I can stop coughing. Uh, well, uh, I'll go catch up and, and see what he had to say there because I, I read all of his posts and everything. But yeah, the fact that he had, um, yep. he was doing a stand up show and had to cut it short and then went to the hospital and was in the mass process of a massive widow maker heart attack. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty insane. So, uh, yep. definitely a speedy recovery to, to him. And I uh, hope he is able to take the time to get back to full speed. Yes.
1: Yes. And, um, you know, because, I mean, he's been pretty instrumental in my life, um, just at least from the content of the, so much of his content I've consumed. Um, and, you know, because the characters, the, the characters that he would write about were basically the guys I would hang out with in high school. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, as I've got a mo- fucking movie statue, uh, movie piggy bank, uh, you know, sit on my desk here that I think I've talked about before. <laughs> um
0: well, it's literally so, like, I mean, everything that he brought to life, the, you know, the, the little voice that you hear inside your head of the, the voice that says things that you want to say to someone, but you know, you shouldn't like that voice in, in my head is basically just Jeff Anderson in Randall's character, just saying that and over and over again, and just everything in, in Randall's voice and and so, I mean, the the fact that like it's embedded in my psyche and the characters he's created, um, you know, is is definitely a a call out to to the the, the magnitude of impact that he's had. Uh, even with the you know the wealth of self self-deprecation that he's had, um, he's he's made more of an impact than uh, than a lot of people give him credit for.
1: <laughs> Dante, ah, shit! I used to, I used to be able to get that. I used to be able to do a really good uh, uh, Randall but um yeah so uh yeah so obviously speedy recovery to him um he seems to be you know he seems i watched a little bit of that facebook live so um he seems to be up and up and at him moving around so um which is good that's a start uh <clears throat> the second thing um that i figured we're i, I uh talk about um was uh i guess because usually we've we we've loosely talked about like uh Hot button political issues, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, with another fucking school shooting, uh, mass shooting, um, you know, with (laughs) I would say with within the inception of our podcast, um, um, you know, which is a year and like a month old, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I figured it would be probably. Uh, wise to at least address that on some point, point. Um, and then maybe talk about that a little bit. You know, at least at least uh, talk about what our, our thoughts, you know, on 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 that would be, um, because I know, um, because I ne- ne- I don't neither one of us, I believe, are you know anti-gun, right? No, like yeah, like I've known, I've known, you know, you've you've owned a, I've I've shot a couple. I don't, I don't have any guns because, um, I know, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that in my house because of specific reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes not against them, sense. but you know, and I don't want, you know, just <laughs> one really rough fucking day and you're just sitting there and like, well, <laughs> being cautious and, and knowing, yeah, knowing
0: yeah. what's good and knowing your outs is always a, a good thing. So that's not a problem, yeah. you know, or that's yeah. understandable.
1: So, um, but with that being said, I believe that, you know, this is a, uh, this is an issue, uh, that needs to be some, needs to be addressed somehow. Um, and, uh, you know, I put off like putting Facebook statuses about this shit or whatever, um, because I figured it would be better to discuss my ideas and thoughts of that, um, a with another person and b in a verbal form or it would be, uh easier for folks to understand tone Yeah, in- um, inflection and intonation. Yeah. So um the big thing that I've realized is that A, there are a couple things. Yes, we probably shouldn't have weapons that are designed to um look like they're specifically designed to kill people. Um yes, you can have other there are there are a lot of semi automatics that are not designed like an AR fifteen. Um but maybe you shouldn't have them that are designed to, you know, look because, you know, aesthetics are a part of function in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, you know, I, I've heard cockamamie arguments about or I've read, I should say cockamamie arguments about, you know, well, you could use an AR-15 to, to hunt hogs because I like to to go in groups. And I'm like, why do you need to hunt hogs? We've got fucking bacon, dude. Yeah. Like, um, and even then you could just use a, another kind of semi automatic weapon that's not designed like it's specifically intended to kill people. Um and, and like that's the big thing too. The second is is that the issues necessarily aren't even don't even necessarily come down to the guns. This is a more important issue. Um, that it's that we have an entitlement to violence within this country. Um, that is specifically seen within certain parts of, um, in certain groups. And I think that entitlement to violence is what the real part of the issue is. And that's the main issue, is the fact that we have young people and old people who don't know how to Express themselves without violence because violence has become so commonplace within our society. The fact that we are, you know, you have, I'm say, I'm gonna say dummies, but you know, there people have thought less about this. That decided the best way to stop school shootings is is to arm lunch lady Doris and groundskeeper Willie. Yep, with weapons. Um, That's fucking bananas um i've seen people that bring up the fact that it's like dude i don't know the last time you've been to high school um but i don't know the last or the last time you've hung out with black teenagers uh spoiler alert they can be scary sometimes if you don't know them in certain situations Uh, just in general (laughs) like and, and that's not like you know they're they're not you know scary or whatever but the thing is is that you know, they, you know, you get hit with a fight or flight situation and then you have a murder weapon on the side of you. Uh, you're going to see a lot more kids and not just kids. I, was saying, I shouldn't even say black teenagers in general. Teenagers are fucking scary in general. Exactly. Teenagers at that point, <laughs> And
0: then you're putting emotion and hormones and everything at the same time in the school. Like, that just seems like a bad idea for me in general when you have people where it's it's hard enough for teachers to focus on school to get funding for what they need now, not paying out of pocket um, for all the resources that they have now. Now you want to give them a gun and have it be the option for um, them to, like, wield that? That just seems bad. And, I I mean, there's, there's more there that, that we can talk to where, I mean i think universally this is known to be a bad idea, so I don't know how much like anxiety or brain power or just you know essence of my life i I wanna like distill into it or kind of get worked up into into some sort of rage over um but like growing up, many of my friends' parents were teachers or in the school system um in, in college, I, I had many friends that went on to become teachers. Um, I have many friends that are now teachers, um, you know, friends and their spouses, teachers uh, or in school systems and things like that. Um, I, I, I can't speak for all of them, and obviously I won't, but I would know as a person, many of them are gun advocates or they enjoy shooting guns and things like that. But as a whole, they I can't imagine any of them, Looking me in the eye and saying, yes, that is the solution that they want to this problem is they want to be <laughs> armed and have have that gun available in school, especially a number of friends who are special ed teachers where the, like they're getting punched, they're getting bit, they're getting kicked as it is. If that was a situation where that's the hostile environment that you have right now they have a hard enough time as it is just coming home and decompressing from that. If you're in a situation you put them in that situation where they're now responsible oh for God. the lives of children yeah. and the lives of not even just children, but again, other staff, because now you have, you have the staff that needs to look over their shoulder because everybody else is armed and packing. Then that becomes it's- a situation where it's now you've just automatically made every school, the wild west. Um, and it, it seems like it, To me, it seems such like an incomprehensible beyond reproach or beyond reports that it's such a bad idea that like I don't see how it could possibly be be that formed, especially since in North Carolina, they have things such as student resource officers. That's what they had in Florida. What did they do? They did nothing. So you think the fact that you have somebody who's trained on the ins and outs of what Ulysses is doing, and what Odysseus is doing, that when push comes to shove, that person is going to be able to go to their desk
1: and pull out a firearm and defend children. Like, it's, 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 it's absolutely bananas. So, um, yeah. And once again, it comes down to it. it this is the entitled. it's in this, this is the fundamental issue that this all boils down to is that we country are entitled to our violence because we believe it's a form of self-expression. Mm-hmm. And when you want to take away those tools for self-expression, that's why people get so f- when people perceive you're taking away their tools for self-expression, it becomes a perceived threat. And that is the issue.
0: So at and the same time, a lot crazy. of the underlying underpinning tension <laughs> of a lot of this stuff with arming quote-unquote teachers, um, there's a lot of subtext and rhetoric in what's being said from the White House in air quotes um, and and a lot of uh, – a lot of folks uh, supporting the idea. Um, But it ends up going where you want to arm teachers, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an implicit underpinning in a lot of that, um, that namely goes towards arming white teachers. Um, Because are we just going to forget the past five, 10 years where there have been a number of lawful gun owning citizens that are of African-American descent and they were gunned down by police while they were still perfectly viable and so D. Ray McKesson summed it up quite perfectly on Twitter he said there's only one possible outcome I see of me being a licensed gun owning or gun wielding teacher in a school event and that is me ending up dead and so that is that's uh, the whole other aspect of this where it's Mm -hmm. like are we just ignoring the other pieces of this where like Mm -hmm. in, in that situation again trying to identify who's the good guy who's the bad guy when we haven't as a society been that good at that to begin with the past couple of years or maybe <laughs> ever, ever um, like, I, I think we need to, to re rethink that idea. And then also that goes to the extension of, okay, so we're arming everybody in schools um, that wouldn't have stopped uh, the e- events in Vegas that wouldn't have stopped the events in uh the, the, the theater shooting in Colorado that wouldn't have stopped this event, that wouldn't have stopped this event, that wouldn't have stopped Orlando. That would so I mean it's so where are we going? Like what what's the dichotomy there? Is it like just schools? Or now it's like when I go through a metal when I go someplace I have to go through a metal detector. I have to take my gun out, give it to her, and then you can give it back to me just so you know who has a gun? Or like I, I don't understand like why the schools why arming everyone uh, that's an adult in a school makes sense, but not just arming everyone everywhere makes sense. But then also at the same time that is also one of their arguments that arming everyone everywhere makes sense. But then you still see stories of uh, teachers, registered gun owners, et cetera, et cetera, having their guns shooting themselves in the ass. And I don't see how that's going to end up positive for anyone. Um, yeah. And so to to me, it boils down to the you know the 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 only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Uh, is just someone trying to sell more guns. And, and to me, that is, that is the utmost discussion here where again, it ends up being and falling back to Occam's razor where what's the problem, what's the common element? Like let's, when when we look at that and when we remove all the ridiculous notions, the simplest answer, the simplest common factor is usually the answer. Um, Let's take a look at that and discuss that as opposed to, uh, you know, just letting the status quo happen, which I think is why now everything is actually getting traction. Everything is starting to pick up. The teenagers in Florida are being able to drive this point home because the status quo, like they're not being silent. They're not kind of stepping away. They are in in the age where they know they have power. They have the ability to come out and say this, where Columbine was really before the internet. Uh, Connecticut elementary school kids. So, I mean, th- this is the perfect kind of confluence of, or I should say, unfortunate confluence of, uh, of factors that makes them that gives them the ability to be this powerful, be this outspoken.
1: Yeah, like, it's just, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the underlying, you know, race element to that, too, because, you know, it's, we, it, you know, there's a lot to that. Um, Because it comes back to, you know, it comes always comes back to fear in the fact that when you're afraid, you know, it becomes acceptable to kill people when you're afraid. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not like, look, I've been in, you know, I've been in some shitty situations, but I haven't been in certain like other certain shitty situations. But, you know, I never forget no matter how shitty somebody is to me. Like I never forget that other people are still people, right? We have to we we usually have to remember that like people are all complex people. No one's just point A to point B. You know, nobody's just a fucking flat trope um, of a person. It, it, people have a series of decisions that make them the way that they are and that have created them mm-hmm. and their mindset. So you know, it's the idea that everything that you have people you know you have you know white folks that are afraid of what happens if black people are treated treated equally like the main reason why i i swear there's a correlation between these you know these mass shootings and the civil rights movement movement is because more and more more and more times, I, and I can say this from because I, I took a DNA test recently, Rick, and I'm actually I'm actually 60% white. Okay. So as as now as now a member of the majority, I am automatically educated on these. Interesting. <clears throat> uh, um. So it, what happens is that you have white folks basically being told that they're more likely going to be treated like everyone else is, and <laughs> they become terrified by that idea. (laughs) And the only way they know to express themselves is through violence, because that's how we condition people here. Right? So, yes, you can talk about gun violence and and inner cities or whatever, and that's a whole other fucking systematic... That's a whole other thing. We're sitting down and talking about the fact that mass shooters generally meet a very specific profile and um could be you know, and could be profiled very easily exactly and that's what um that's why you see these people act the way that they do when they talk about these shooters is that every shooter is troubled and the reason every shooter is troubled is because there's night there's nine nine out of ten times the person that's telling you that person is troubled relates to the shooter in some way, because they see parts of themselves within the shooter, mm-hmm. and that's why that action is. I don't. I think they're fucking deplorable. I don't relate. I don't. I could never relate to shooting up a fucking high school. Exactly. Or shooting up an elementary school. Or shooting up fucking country music concert. Even though I dislike Garth Brooks to the umpteenth degree. <laughs> <laughs> like, I. That's not relatable to me because that's not an okay way to be a person. I understand that my right to express myself is contained within myself and I have no right to force that expression onto other people. I've also learned that fucking violence is not an appropriate way to express yourself (laughs) when it involves harming other people. You want to beat up on a punching bag? Okay. That's to cool off. That's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. Taking a fucking AR 15 to a high school because you're pissed off because uh, because somebody cut you off in traffic not acceptable like the the fact that there's no the fact that that safety blanket has been slipping away uh for for parts of society that they're used to is becoming very disconcerting for them and that's the thing that they don't want to talk about because any person i'm you know I'm just going to say it now if, you know, if it upsets any of our listeners or whatever, um, you know, I'm sorry ish. Um, I'll probably be completely sorry, you know, later, but, um, you know, that if, if you can relate with somebody to do a specific action, then like you are capable of those actions and some part of your psyche. Yeah. I would completely agree. And like, you know, you should be taking a look at yourself where it's like you should never be defending someone who goes and murders fucking children and you should never go. The, the life of a child is worth my right to express myself with fucking assault rifles or <coughs> the ease the, not even not even an assault rifle, a rifle, the ease of obtaining a gun. Not even using the gun, that a child's life is worth that. Just the ease, not being not being denied. Just the ease of possibility of being of of obtaining uh, of getting a gun. Like that's nuts. You want to know why? And this is shown all throughout that idea that violence is an acceptable form of self-expression, and it comes down to the fact that people do not teach their children that sometimes it's okay to be angry and do or nothing people, about people it don't, and do nothing about it because you know people don't understand that you know honestly in a roundabout way <laughs> this, this is going to sound totally left field honestly in a roundabout way we could really just blame catcher and the rye for this in the first place <laughs> because that is the book <laughs> <laughs> that is the book that basically told white dudes it's okay to feel and you're going to feel shitty a lot of the time because have you read catcher in the right? Yeah, I haven't read it since, uh, I want to
0: say college. I, I read it in high school and then again in college, but I haven't read it since, but I, I, know pretty much most of it
1: still. Okay. Okay. So I've read it a few times and I've had to stop, um, because I end up sounding like, Oh my God, I used to do a monologue from that play. Uh, Oh my God. Oh my god, I can't remember what the play is. But it was a movie with Will Smith at some point uh, where he has this huge monologue about Catcher in the Rye. But if you look at Catcher in the Rye and you look at Holden's, the only way that Holden feels that he can express himself through all the shit that he's going through, the, applied sexual, the implied sexual abuse by some of the the, the teachers um, at the boarding school he's at, is that he puts on a hat that he calls his people-hunting hat and pretends to shoot people. hmm Right? So it basically now. I understand I'm not a huge proponent of Holden Caulfield, um, but, you know, that's besides the point, it's but that was basically the first book that came out that basically told white dudes that it was okay to feel. And in some way, it basically maybe subconsciously influenced them in these bizarre ways to express themselves. I, you know, I don't. You know, I haven't done a paper on this. I, you know, I don't have, you know, a proof, but like, that's just my thought about it. And because that's, you know, you combine that with the changing fact of the time that book came out, you had, I believe, oh, wait, let me, let me, I want to get this right. I want to get this right. Let me, let me do some Google foo. Okay. So you have catch on the right come out at the beginning of the fifties. Let's say that it takes approximately three years to fucking actually populate the, the zeitgeist, the, the zeitgeist. Uh, and around that time, you have the civil r- the civil rights movement starting to type out, uh, starting to, um, to to take hold with the formation of S- SNCC. I believe in 1954. Um, you have the Brown versus the Board of Education. I believe that happened in 1954 as well. Um, so you have the the civil rights movement starting to pick up steam within um. Within the 50s in the, in the middle of the 50s. So here you have this book that basically tells these people that it's okay. That it's okay to feel, you know, whatever your struggle is, is relevant. Um, but they don't take a point. They don't take they don't take that fact that Holden is incredibly repressed emotionally. And that's why he can't he can't effectively communicate outside of violence. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> um, it's that, you know, it's that mentality that we have accepted as a as a country and as a culture that it's OK to express yourself through violence. You know, you see that and, you know, um, you know, we really latch on to violence in our sports mm-hmm. like you know, like for football being a uh, football as example, right? Um, that's a pretty violent sport in the idea of it um, where I don't know about you, um, but I've seen I've watched football games. Um, people take big hits and they're like, yeah, you know, like, I don't, I don't but I don't want to see some die, some guy die in the field. I've you know, I've played, played sports
0: my entire life and have had multiple people have very dangerous injuries right next to me. So I <laughs> I, I know yep. the, the magnitude of that and have played hockey since I was five um and have seen both a lot of checks and a lot of um otherwise collisions uh that, you know, are uh very questioning of just how you know he, how much we can take in a opt in basis.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's that kind of stuff. Like I'm not, and I'll make it clear. I'm not against football. It's not my sport. You know, I'm not against necessarily, this, but we should be concerned when people take joy from other people's pain. Right. Um, you know, you know, how many times like people watch fight videos of people fighting in the streets. Yep. Um, and, and, and take joy out of that. Um, you know, or, you know, Take joy out of watching a viral video where some girl gets hit in the head with a fucking shovel in the middle of a fight or You know, it takes joy in the fact that you know, seeing somebody get body slammed or this or that we have this unhealthy obsession with that interaction Um, You see it in our in the way that we treat we see it in the way that we treat violence sexuality is not okay for television violence is
0: exactly that's that's again another major point that we have that is different for us as opposed to the rest of the world where when i'm traveling Mm -hmm. to europe traveling to australia like that's a completely different mindset for a lot of the world where uh sexuality is is you know off limits here but how many procedurals do you have on network television that end up having explosions murders uh gunfights just, you know, fist fights, et cetera. And, and even when we... As opposed to elsewhere, where that's the complete opposite. Where yeah, there may be a little bit more overt sexuality in some of the stuff in in Europe, but you it, their daily procedural shows, you very rarely see a lot of that. There are there are some that exist. They tend to be outliers, but then the extent of the violence tend to be uh, completely different and used with a a much different purpose and a much different context than it just being ever present and
1: that being the main theme through most of the shows. And even when we do talk about, <clears throat> even when sex is brought up, how many of those instances is it brought up? Is it also accompanied with violence? Mm-hmm. And in American television, it's like the, it's like the only way we could talk about <clears throat> the atrocities that happen in SVU is to constantly remind ourselves: well, this is this is this is violence. You know, we have to take the the the, the violence pill for for that or you know or uh, the way that it's like everything it's you know the fact that when someone writes a script um uh, the fact that rape can be used as a as a as a motivator as a plot point is fucking ridiculous right it's it's the, the fact that like like that we've gone so far that actions like that just seem commonplace as a motivator so much to the point that it's tr- a trope that we're willing to accept violence at almost any level even when it deals things that we're not even when it deals with things we're not comfortable with and that's the fundamental issue when it comes down to you know when it comes down to the debate on gun control and that's the issue that we're discussing before we even realistically try to limit the access that we uh, limit access to weapons mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a, def- a deflection because i do think personally i do feel there needs to be some some of that dealt with but um you know longer longer wait periods mandatory mental health checks whatever that shit all that just makes that makes sense but but that's the that problem should though is like, be natural. that
0: makes sense and again <clears throat> Going back to all the people that, or most of the people that are able to understand or see a lot of the minutia that we've been talking about and kind of the the fine-grained pieces of underlying why all of the, like, the Zeitgeist-level arguments don't make sense, like... Again, those things make sense, but those are the things that we're arguing over as table stakes. So it's something like, yeah, like mm. that is like you end up seeing two different sides or two different methodologies of it where, like, one side is seeing like that's the hill that will never be mounted versus the other side seeing like that's the bar that's literally sitting on the fucking floor. So, I mean, so that's that's the difference there that we have to come between that where there's again one side is entitlement, the other side is, hey, I just want to live type thing. Um, and <laughs> we need to, we need to be able to meet in the middle somewhere. I don't know what that's mm-hmm. going to be. I know all of the solutions so far to date are completely horrible and you know untenable because it keeps happening um, so whatever we need to to figure out to to kind of um, make this so when I have kids, I feel comfortable putting them in a public school situation. Um, that's something that I, like I right now given, current lawmakers I don't feel comfortable or I don't feel confident in that situation yep. given the change that's coming from this latest uh uh you know incident and the kind of the momentum that's building from a lot of the students in Florida that gives me more confidence but that's stuff that's going to take a, a you know a long time to to work out so just seeing the the NRA um have a lot of their partnerships ended by companies, uh, like a lot of the rental car companies that were there, Um, uh, airlines, uh, I believe, uh, certain hotel chains. Uh, I think of the major brands that still um, associate with the NRA based off of their reaction uh, to some of this is FedEx. And I think out of a long, long list of companies, they were the only brand that was still associated with them Um, and even kind of entrenched themselves in making a statement as to why that they were still... um, why they were still supporting the nra um so there's a lot there uh that i i think is we we need to make different appeals there needs to be more or a different approach taken to this because like you said the common sense stuff um so far the common sense of just hasn't made a, a dent on the people that it should from a common sense point of view so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from mm-hmm. there
1: yeah and i think once we accept as a country that guns are not a appropriate way to express your issues your to express your anger then i think we could actually conquer some growth because realistically think about it this way right could you imagine if i told you every time i got pissed off i stabbed the shit out of a watermelon yeah right yeah yeah you'd be like that dude's fucking you know like i don't want to like that doesn't sound safe Like that sounds like an instant, an an incident waiting to happen because we're conditioning ourselves to use these weapons and to use our anger as and use violence as a way to express ourselves. And once we talk about that, we can, you know, once we start to address that, you know, yeah, maybe then we could have AR-15s when you realize that you're holding something that could kill someone and that's designed to look like it's supposed to kill someone. Once you realize that, why would you even want one? Exactly. Like so I mean, that's pretty much that's that's pretty much it. And I feel, you know, that's a very um you know, basically a, a roundabout way to to explain that where look, you know, I I personally have nothing against guns, you know. You know, if If a lot of heavy shit didn't run my family and, you know, the stuff I know about myself, like, maybe it would be, you know, maybe I'd I'd have a nice little, you know, 38 special or whatever. Um, But that's not, you know, that right to have that and the right to... uh, I just it just it just baffles me but the you know, the right that, to have I mean, that, that doesn't
0: the, doesn't overcome somebody else's ability uh, for their you know right to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, um, you know, and once we actually sit down and think about that. I mean, you know, I've tried to make this not sound like, you know, uh, a whole bunch of liberal hooey. Um, you know, I have tried to come from this from a, a rational point of view, but um yeah, so uh i mean that's so i mean that was that was pretty much one of them as i did say i did take i did take a dna test actually um and i am actually legit like 60 percent white which is actually really funny um yeah so um where were uh I,
0: where were or what uh i guess what nations or kind of what areas were your uh uh your ancestry
1: from then <clears throat> So I did the – so the way that I did it is I did it through the University of U of M um, because it was free. And what they did is they broke so your – So that's the U of uh, the, U of M? I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> <clears throat> and what they did is they broke it down into like a certain number of groups where they basically didn't give you the specific um, – they basically told you like generic countries of origin. So, so six, about 60% of my ancestry comes from Europe and about 40% of it comes from uh, the subs- sub-Saharan Africa, which makes sense. Um, if you think about it in the extra, in the extra about 10% white makes sense too and it's kind of shitty once you actually do that. Uh, you know. um, but so I have the raw data. Um, and I've basically been going through, uh, I've basically been distracted like the last two or three weeks since I've gotten the raw data, uh, to find a way that will actually give, to use that data, the raw data to give me basically specific breakdowns of country, the country of origin. Um, so I know about 60% of it comes from Europe and then for, about 40% comes from, from Africa. So, um, sub-Saharan Africa, so um yeah it's a really uh they they when uh University of Michigan gives you your your little uh results they basically put you on a scatter plot and nothing of like a thousand other people and nothing makes you feel more alone like being one dot in the middle of a fucking sea Yeah exactly <laughs> It's like oh yeah
0: I'm infinitesimally small I am uh I'm
1: definitely not a snowflake here Oh, oh, not only that, it's like there's no one around you. Yeah. Like, which makes it even worse. You're like, I'm one dot in the middle of nowhere, close to no one. <laughs> um, so I do plan on getting uh, getting my hands on um, uh, when stuff actually starts to, to uh, I don't want to say s- slow down, but uh, once uh, stuff starts to get a little hectic, it's not really hectic, I don't know, it's... Uh, once I get rid of some of my other distractions, I can actually focus on that. Uh, like this huge fucking case of writer block I've, writer's block I've still fucking got. So, um, <laughs> it, it's so bad to the point that I'm randomly starting non-poetry related projects uh, just to see if I can get anything going. Yeah, just, just any other side I effect actually... that
0: you can get kicked into just and then uh, some you know, weird uh, divine inspiration to come back to.
1: Um... I, it was it's so bad to the point where I actually went and finished uh, years ago, uh, like a few years ago. I um, wanted to. Um, I was sort of decided that maybe I wanted to actually write a, a full a full length uh, script with a friend of mine from Queens. Um, and the idea of basically, you know, um, we wanted to write. About the uh, black experience in the way that um, uh, some other folks have tackled, uh, uh, you know, like like in the ways that mainstream media has tackled, basically the quintessential quintessential experience of um, being, you know, uh, basically being white, you know, mm-hmm. like just like a You know, like Seinfeld like that's the the penultimate you know experience of being you know in that in that where it's like what's the show about nothing or it's a show about nothing yeah so um I actually started going back and we were were working on that um until I basically jumped through like two or three different jobs uh, on my free time basically went away um and I did that for money. Um, so I actually started working on that. the The basic idea is that uh, you follow these two um, these two black guys who basically got stuck in a uh, a dying a dying town um, that's not necessarily designed for them. So all they do is just sit around smoking weed looking for an escape okay um and so I, as i was going through and realizing this this entire the entire way that this is all set is it's all entirely subversive just from head from to the toe i actually one of the things i actually did today while i was at work was i basically finished the first scene of the movie um which is the dumbest fucking thing i think i've ever written in my life um where uh you have this the you have this character named Jack who's hardcore stoner uh who basically um ends up uh ends up basically accidentally killing himself while trying to take a dick pic <clears throat> so even within the setup of that first scene where it's like you see this you know it's this young you know it's this basically it sets up with this young white dude um, you know, as your stereotypical stoner comedy, how it always opens, you know, um, you know, and just to act to totally, sub- to go, to go the opposite way and kill off that character and then actually introduce your the leads. I think it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. That, that's um, a,
0: that's a nice, good, I, interesting way of, of doing kind of a, uh, a nice plot twist early on, as opposed to waiting it, you know, flipping the script and having it be all the way at
1: the end yeah and besides I get to write lines for a, like I get like the, the best thing about it is like you get to write a character that you just hate like I, I wrote like I wrote one like th- basically this dude takes a um, <laughs> basically takes a hit off of it you know, takes a hit from a wall blows the smoke up and he's just talking to himself in the mirror and he's like oh shit it looks like it's getting foggy in here better turn on the, the on your uh, fog lights ladies and he like shakes his chest at the mirror and fucking flicks his nipples yeah <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid <laughs> that's awesome but you know it's like you obviously it's funny is that like like you know you obviously hate this guy you be like man i hope this dude dies and it's like just the total like i mean just to just to die uh just to die taking a dick pic please listen carefully <laughs> <laughs>